Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. If you've been following along with us, you know that we're in a series this summer on the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, haven't really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so they're, they, they, they may be in the denomination they were brought up, or if you were raised Catholic like me, I knew about God the Father. I kind of knew about Jesus' his Son, but the Holy Spirit, man, I, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And you can walk into environments, and maybe you feel it this morning, you walk into an environment, and um, you, you can sense the Holy Spirit in this place. I, I, like, I sense the Holy Spirit as we are worshiping. I, I, I sense the presence of God. You can walk into other environments and even some great Bible-believing churches, and you just walk in and you feel like, is God here? <laughs> where, where are you in this midst? And, and, and Paul had a similar situation back in Acts chapter 19. The apostle Paul comes upon some believers who are from Ephesus. And in Acts 19, uh, verse 2, he, he talks to them and, and he says, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, Paul's probably, I could just kind of picture him kind of going like, I can't put my finger on it, but like there's some, I don't know, I just feel like something's not really fitting together. So he asks, and, he's, and these are believers. These are actually, it calls them disciples from Ephesus. This is the start of the Ephesian church, if you will. And he says, did you, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, man, we've not even heard that there is one. And I found that there's a lot of times people in Christianity, you talk to them about the Holy Spirit and it's like a deer in headlights. They're like, I don't know. And uh, I, I saw something that was weird one time online and I just, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And, and so they like resist the Holy Spirit and in Acts chapter 7, we don't have the, the verse, so just follow me. But in Acts chapter 7, there's uh, the, uh, the apostle Stephen, and he's talking to religious leaders, and he's like, why are you guys resisting the Holy Spirit? And there's so many times in people's lives, they don't see the breakthrough. They don't see forward movement. They don't see answers to prayer. They don't see spiritual maturity and growth simply because they've been a bit resisting and holding back when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But not us, not authentic church. I want I, my. I didn't plant a church to be some feel good Sunday three point sermon and away we go and everything smiles and everything's great. No, no, no. I, we we planted the church. We wanted to see real people come together in authenticity, genuine, real, with a passion for God that want to really dig in and know Him deeper. That life's not always pretty. That sometimes it's really, really messy. But God takes care of the mess. He takes care of the mess. Anybody been one of those messy people that God needed to just kind of like take care of you? Like the heavenly father needed to just give you just a good little spanking, right? The little bit of correct. He needed, you, you were hard-headed, man. You, you wouldn't listen. And finally, he just like put sign after sign in your face. And he's like, stop. And he keeps pointing you. And it's like all of a sudden in one week of your life, it's like you started meeting every single crazy Christian on the beach. Like suddenly it's like everywhere you look, it's like God, 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. Like somewhere along our lines, the Holy Spirit just says, ha ha, 
And, and he pulls you, he draws you. Maybe you're here today and you're doing like, yeah, dude, I totally got hoodwinked. Somebody told me I was going to go to breakfast, but then they pulled into this parking lot or I thought I was going to the fair and I ended up in authentic church. You might be here and that might be you. But when we started this series, I was praying and asking the Lord and the Holy Spirit said to me this. He said that God wants us as believers to know the Holy Spirit like we know Jesus. Like, think about this. Like, people know stories of Jesus, and they can talk for hours about Jesus and, and share of what he's done and how he walked, and he went here, and he did this, and he said these words, and then he passed through this. And we can read these stories in the Bible, and I don't know about you, but I remember reading the stories, and I'm like, man, if only I could have walked with Jesus. Anybody ever thought that? If only I, I could have walked with him. And so a few years ago, my wife and I, before we planted the church, somebody blessed us with a trip to Israel. And so we got to walk where Jesus walked. And by the way, if anybody ever wants to bless you with a trip to Israel, just say yes. Okay. Your, your life's going to be better for it. And so here we are, we're in Israel. And I'm literally, we're taking a tour up in Tiberias where the Sea of Galilee is. And, and we go to the spot where Jesus heals Peter's sick mother. And, and we go to the spot where Jesus opens the scroll and he reads Isaiah and shares with him and, 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 and basically pointing to himself. And we, we go to all these spots. And I remember I just, I just walked away from the tour guide saying all these incredible historical things. And I'm like, I know the story. I want to go experience it. So I just take off my sandals and I remember going, walking over to the sea. And I just dipped my toes in the water at the Sea of Galilee and felt the pebbles between my toes. And, I'm just, and I just began to pray. And I'm like, wow, Jesus, you walked here. Well, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us as believers so that we could walk with Jesus. Jesus says, better I go away. Try that one on. His disciples are sitting there and they're, they're frustrated and he's talking about going away. They're like, going away? Like, dude, we got revival. Like, you're not gonna, like, what are you doing? You're packing up shop? They didn't understand. He's like, it's better for you to go. If I go away, then my father's gonna send the helper. And trust me, Peter, you're gonna need a lot of help, right? You know? <laughs> my father's gonna send the helper. We need the helper. So Paul in Acts 19, so this is, you know, 20 some odd years after, or to, over 24 years after Christ descended into the heaven and into heaven, Paul comes across these disciples and they're like, we've never even heard about the Holy Spirit. And what does Paul do? He goes, okay, yeah, no, you received the Holy Spirit when you were saved. That's all you need. Just get water baptized and you're good. Get planted in the local church. You're fine. No, Paul didn't do that. What did Paul do? It says in verse six, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Let's pull over the car for a second, right? So you're like, what? Like, that's crazy. I know, it sounds wild, but you know what else is wild? The fact that you and I place our, the eternal state of our souls into the care of a man that lived 2,000 years ago that died on a cross. Like, we believe the historic accounts and, and we believe the, the not, not just the historical aspects, but we believe the supernatural aspects of Jesus' life, burial, death, burial, and resurrection. Like, I know that sounds wild. Everything that you obtain in the Christian life, you obtain through faith. Where does faith come from? Reading the Word. So this morning, we're diving into the Word of God. 
And so if you've been with us on this journey, you might be asking the question, you're like, man, Pastor Jeff, why are you so intent on us receiving the Holy Spirit? Why are you so intent with us being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking? Why, why are you honing in on this? Why are you pushing this? The, the bigger question is not why I am honing in on it. Why is God honing in on it? Why is it that when you read throughout the New Testament, everywhere the disciples went, there was an explosion of power? Why was it that Jesus said, I want you to wait. You're gonna wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, then go. Well, after the Holy Spirit came and they began speaking in tongues, that seemed to them like that was the go signal. Like that, that was the go. You, you don't read anywhere after they received that gift, you don't see them going back into the prayer closet praying, Lord, come, we're waiting on you to be endued with power. Like in that moment, just like seven weeks after Peter denied even knowing Christ, suddenly he's the bold witness standing up, yelling on the steps to all the passers-by about Christ, like in that moment. And he wants to pour his spirit out upon you. So the question isn't, why are we focusing so much on this? The question really is, man, when you look at the scriptures, why did God hone in so much on this? It's because there's power when it comes to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to give you a quick recap. It'll be quick. The quick recap from last week, we did a really, really in-depth teaching, probably the most in-depth teaching that I've ever given, um, the most in-depth teaching I had ever heard on the Holy Spirit. Um, I delivered the message, but I, I just got to be the one to hear it first and <laughs> spending time with God, okay? And it was a very, very in-depth teaching on uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit on speaking in tongues. What is that? Well, we have a, the definition of speaking in tongues just to uh, share with you. It is the supernatural ability that God gives his people by the Holy Spirit to speak and pray in unknown languages. Like that, that is so plain in the scriptures, which we unpacked last week, both earthly and angelic languages. It is the Holy Spirit praying and speaking through you. And then we shared seven aspects or expressions, if you will, of speaking in tongues. Because people are like, is it a gift? Is it a sign? Is it a prayer language? I thought it was for a message. I thought that you get it and then you get revelation. I thought there's somebody that interprets. So we unpacked that in great detail. And the seven key aspects or expressions was number one, that tongues was a sign. That it was a sign to the unbelievers. Number two, that there was a prayer language. There was praying in tongues, which is gonna what we're gonna be honing in on today. Number three, that there was tongues as a message. So they were given a supernatural ability to speak in an unknown language. So I don't know how to speak Korean, but suddenly if the Holy Spirit came upon you with the gift of tongues and you can speak Korean, then you can share the gospel in that language. I personally have not experienced that. I actually have friends who have experienced that where they were praying in some known language and then some girl walks up and says, you know, in broken English, she says, I'm from Russia. My family just moved here a few months ago. My friend brought me to this youth gathering and I'm hearing you speak in my language where in Russia were you from? And he says, honey, I'm not from Russia. I was praying in the spirit. And so what you heard was God moving on me to be able to speak in a language that you could understand. What did he tell you? He tells me he loves me and that I need to accept Jesus. How do you explain that? I don't know. You can't. My three pound brain 
is not so brilliant that I can understand everything with the infinite God that I serve. And I'm not gonna reduce him to such. So tongues is a message. Number four, the confirmation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues was a confirmation. When they, when, when they were looking for who to replace, when after the, you know, Judas kind of, he took his own life. So he exited stage left, Judas Iscariot. So the guys are like, hey, we need to vote in somebody else. We need, we need to bring in somebody else. What did they look for? They looked for somebody that was full of the Holy Spirit. Well, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what, what, what marked them of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The fact that they would speak and pray in tongues. So we unpacked that. And then we talked about tongues as worship, singing, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God. There are three different things. We re-unpacked that in scripture. And then also tongues as a weapon. Like you put on the armor of God. Well, part of putting on the armor of God is praying in the spirit. Jude 120, that you would pray in the spirit and build yourself up. Maybe there's certain things where you feel underneath because you haven't taken time to build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. And then the seventh area, tongues that bring revelation. That there's revelation as you're praying in the Holy Spirit that you receive, you see things, you perceive things that you did not know. You're like, how did I know that? There's a guy named Matt McPherson. Some of you may know that name. He's an avid bow hunter and a guitar player. And, uh, and he's an entrepreneur. And so he was, he, he would pray and ask the Lord just to give him brilliant ideas in business. He was a business guy and he's like, Lord, you could just give me an idea. That would be so awesome. And a lot of times a provision from God, it doesn't come in the form of money. Supernatural provision from God comes in the form of an opportunity or an idea. And so he's praying. He goes to bed in the middle of the night. He wakes up from a dream. And as he's waking up, he sees in front of him this uh, engineered drawing. And it's a rendering of a guitar, but it's somewhat different where the hole on the guitar, where the sound comes out of in this acoustic guitar, instead of being right here, it's actually moved up to this area. And he's like, I've never seen a guitar like that, Lord. And so he begins to sketch it and he takes it to a friend of his. And so anyways, they began the process. And now uh, the, the, the funny saying when it comes to McPherson guitars is if you're good enough to play one, you don't have to buy it. Matt will give it to you. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we have to buy it for three or $4,000. <laughs> so if anybody wants to donate a McPherson guitar to the church, we gladly say yes. Sorry, kidding. So he had this idea. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you creative ideas, downloads from heaven. You get fresh revelation. So again, the full teaching, it's available on, on YouTube, uh, uh, podcasts, uh, Apple Music, you know, Spotify, wherever you find those things, you can go. And I want to encourage you to not resist the Holy Spirit, like Stephen rebuked the religious leaders of his day, but I encourage you to welcome, lean in, ask the Holy Spirit. So but the title of my message today is how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. It's a mouthful, <laughs> no pun intended. How to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And I wanna give you today what I believe to be just a great, solid, very practical teaching on a subject that is, uh, has been very uh, confused by, by a lot of people and leaders in the body of Christ is I want to give you just basic, good doctrinal teaching on that in the hopes that you could take this, and if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that you could apply it to your life. But for those of you that have received your prayer language, that you would be able to bring this as kind of a mini teaching, if you will, that you could regurgitate it and you could teach it to somebody else the way that others have taught me. 
And so I'm, I want to teach you today, if I was teaching a class, an equipping class on, hey, I want to teach you as prayer warriors how to go out and lead the people that you influence, lead your connect groups, your small group, your mom's group, your dad's group, whatever. I want to teach you how to teach them and share with them and lead them in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share today from the platform of a teacher. So this is going to be a teaching message. So we're going to jump around a little bit. So how do you, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Number one, you need to repent. <laughs> Number one, you need to repent. Repent, by the way, it, pent means to think. It's your thoughts. It's what you're, what you're, what you're focusing on. When you repent, you're, you're, you're shifting your thoughts. I thought one thing, I'm going a different way. When I repent of my sins, I thought one thing about my life. I had a gravitational pull towards the things that were not of God, and I'm repenting, and now I'm, I'm choosing to walk and focus on the things of God. So I'm, re, I'm, I'm changing my thoughts. I'm, I'm changing my direction. So when you repent of something, you, you change your mind. You change your thoughts. Some of you need to repent of your thoughts on the Holy Spirit. Some of you have lived and you've reduced the Holy Spirit down to what you can just understand. And you're like, nope, I got the Holy Spirit when I believed and that's all I need. And you're correct in the fact that you, yes, you do receive the Holy Spirit when you are born again. When you accept Christ in your life, you receive the Spirit of God. But it's another thing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we unpacked that a few weeks ago as well. I'm not going to go back into that, but we have previous messages around that. So number one, repent. Jesus had a mission statement in Matthew 4, 17. He said this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus is going around. This becomes his mission statement everywhere he goes as he's starting his ministry. He's making waves, all right? This is his, his Instagram campaign to let everybody know he's in the house. He's yelling. He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they're like, okay, we'll repent. Like, okay, we're trying to follow God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He comes across some disciples, that, some people who would become his disciples. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he tells them, come follow me. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says this, and so repenting, turning to God, looks like what Paul talked about in Romans 10.9, a very well-known scripture. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. That's how you're going to be saved. You're going to repent. I'm going to turn away from thinking that I'm the one who calls all the shots. Self-centeredness, pride, right? I'm going to say I don't have it all together. God can work with that. What God can't work with is the guy, the man, or the woman that says, I got this, I don't need you. You're not going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the helper, if you're like, no, I don't need any help, God, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need any help. I'm good. But those who say, no, I need all the help I can get, the helper's going to come. So if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? Now, again, I'm teaching you how to share this message. All right? Some of you are here, and this is brand new for you. This is going to be the first time you've ever heard something like this. Uh, you've come to the right place on the right Sunday. He had your number. So you share this with someone. Hey, man, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to repent. Repent? Yeah, what does that look like? You need to call on the name of the Lord. Like, believe in your heart. If you've not done that, if you have questions on that, let's talk. Let's dialogue. And then at some point in the conversation, it turns to them saying, you know what? You're, I think you're right. And then you simply say, would you like to 
accept Christ as your Lord and Savior now? Like, do you want to make a decision? Is the line in the sand going to be drawn where you're going to say, hey, I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm repenting of my past life. I am choosing to follow Christ. Are you ready to do that? And they say, yes, great. Here's the prayer, the prayer of salvation. You can take a picture of this if you want to, or I'll, we'll have somebody in social media post it this week. Salvation prayer. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are the only way, truth, and the life. Today, I repent of all my sins. From this day forward, I choose you and your plan for me. Thank you for forgiving me and for loving me. God doesn't want you to just pray a prayer and go away unchanged. No, the prayer that you pray is the start of the relationship. That's the starting line, not the finish line. That's the starting line. And then once you've prayed the prayer, the good news is you're a child of God. John 1.12 says this, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to do what? Become children of God. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Come on. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. From the front row to the back row, we're children of God. You're a child of God. So as a child of God, now you have access to the Father, and the Father has certain things he wants to give you, certain things he wants to do in you, but because you're a son of the king or a daughter of the king, he doesn't want you to live as a pauper anymore. He doesn't want you to meddle in the old ways of life anymore. He wants to throw a ring on your finger. He wants to clothe you in righteousness. And you're a child of God. So now as a child of God, now you come boldly to the throne of grace. That's the name of the throne, grace. What's the name of your throne where you sit, Jesus? Grace. Grace. We need his grace. You come boldly to the throne of grace and you obtain mercy and grace to help you anytime that you need it. You have direct access by the spirit of God. You're a child of God. You must be a born-again believer, you must have received Jesus in order to receive the Holy Spirit. That's step one. The Holy Spirit draws us, but you need to put your faith in Christ if you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the pattern that we see throughout scriptures is somebody would be saved, then they would be water baptized, and then they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every once in a while, that got mixed up. Some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized, uh, the Gentile believers in Acts chapter 10, they had that happen. My wife had that happen. She's a little backwards in some ways. And so, you know, and there wasn't anybody saying, oh, no, you're doing it wrong, Fawn. You really needed to be water baptized before you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, the Spirit of God's going to meet you. He's going to meet you wherever you're at. So you, but it, you must have a relationship with Christ in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can't dwell in an unholy vessel. So when you receive Jesus into your life, you're a new creation in Christ. You're in, you're what, God doesn't look at you based on what you did. He looks at you based on what Jesus did. So if he looks at you based on what Jesus did, then he doesn't see all the sin and the crap and the crud that you've done and the shame that you've walked around with. No, no, no. He sees you through the lens of his perfect son whose blood was shed for the atonement of your sins, that it's all taken care of. That's how he sees you. So because now he sees you like that, now that's who you are as a child of God. Now with that vessel, he pours his Holy Spirit out. All right, number two. Second thing you do is you ask. 
Ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Pray and ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in previous weeks. Who does, who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, when you've called on the name of the Lord, that baptism, the first baptism is the baptism of salvation and it's when you are baptized into the church. That's the first baptism. The second baptism is when a disciple baptizes you. Okay, the first baptism, when you're baptized into the church, you're snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and you're part of the body of Christ in accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes you into the church. And then when you're saved, now a believer, a disciple, baptizes you in water. But the last baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm going to reserve that one for myself. I'm going to be the one who gets the honor of baptizing you because he paid the penalty for you. He paid for you, so he gets to be the one to clothe you with that, and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 10 through 13, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. This is actually earlier in the passage that we're about to read earlier in Luke 11. He actually shares with them the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really better named the Disciples' Prayer, the Our Father Prayer for you Catholics, right? Uh, so, so he teaches them how to pray. And immediately after he teaches them how to pray, he shares with them on receiving the Holy Spirit. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus put two things together that closely in Scripture? Because he knows that you're going to come to the end of your words in prayer, and he wants to push you further that you could pray not just with your mind and understanding, but you can pray with your spirit, and you're going to have greater effectiveness because there's things that you don't know about that the Spirit of God knows about, that as you pray in the Spirit, you pray the perfect will of God. So in Luke 11, verse 10, Jesus says this, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. This whole passage right here that I'm about to read, a very famous passage of Scripture, right? Ask, seek, knock, right? A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. Famous passages of Scripture. The entire passage that you're about to read, this chunk, it's all about somebody receiving the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's not about receiving a new car. It's not about receiving something else. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit. For everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is your heavenly father going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love this quote uh, from Derek Prince. Derek Prince, incredible communicator, teacher, leader in the body of Christ. Uh, actually, I was talking this week with Pastor Fred. Some of you guys know Pastor Fred Crop. Uh, He's going to be with us uh, here. He's doing a back-to-back two weeks with us at the end of the month. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. But I was talking with Pastor Fred, and we've been dialoguing about the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing this quote with him. And he's like, he's like oh, I, know, I, I knew Derek. And I'm like, you knew Derek? He goes, oh, yeah, I used to travel with him. And I'm like, of course you did, Pastor Fred. Like, stories endless for days, right? Derek Prince had this to say. He said, baptism is for those who are thirsty. Deliverance is for those who are desperate. What are you thirsty for today? Like, like if, you're, if, you're, if you're satisfied it as an appetizer, why would God give you a steak? It's like you're, you're, you feel full. But man, if you're still hungry, man, he wants to feed you. He wants, he wants to pour it on. If you're thirsty for him, if you're thirsty for a deeper walk, if you were thirsty, like when you came up this morning and we had that time of communion, which was so beautiful, and you're like, 
there's something different. I feel a little bit uncomfortable standing in front of the church rather than kind of in my seat where it's quiet and comfortable and nobody can really see me, right? There's, there's something vulnerable about just standing around people that we don't know that the only thing that links some of us in this room is the fact that we're Christians. And, and, and you took a step of faith and you came up and, and you, you, you prayed and you took the elements. There's, there's something special that happens there. If you're thirsty for more of that, I want to encourage you. You can do that anytime. We have the elements always up front during our services. You have my permission as the pastor of this house to at any time during worship, just come up. Some people have come up and they've just knelt quietly and just had a moment with God. Some people have taken the elements and just stood on the side and just kind of had their moment with the Lord. I want to encourage you, freedom in this house. Freedom. We don't have to be locked in and boxed in. Baptism is for the thirsty deliverance for those who are desperate. So then, then the, nice, the next question is, okay, so how do I pray somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like, okay, Pastor Jeff, give me some language. Like, what would you say? Right? Here's what I would say. Here's what I have said when I'm praying for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I lead them in a prayer, something like this. Now, I don't have this whole thing like memorized. This just kind of comes out in different shapes and forms, all right? That the thing is, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be rehearsed. You, you, you say it how you say it. Okay, God is so good, loving, kind, just, gracious. Like he knows what you're trying to say, all right? What you're trying to do is you're trying to encourage them to open up to the Holy Spirit. And they, they have a desire for the Holy Spirit, so we pray for them. And we just lead them through this. Jesus, let's just say it together. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, that you died for the forgiveness of my sins. As a child of God, I ask you today to baptize me in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and prophecy. Now, let me pause there. You're like, well, you added prophecy on there. I didn't really. The, actually, the Bible, numerous times when people would get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they would speak in tongues, and it says, and they would prophesy. Now, not everybody who prophesies is a prophet, just like not everybody who teaches a Bible study is a teacher. Uh, not everybody... Uh, who who administers in one gift necessarily is called to the office of that gift. But the spirit of prophecy, it says in Revelation, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when you prophesy, you build up the church, right? When you pray in the spirit, you edify and build up yourself. When I prophesy, I, 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 I build you up. I build up the house. I build up the church. That's why later on, when Paul is doing a teaching on tongues in Corinthians, he tells them, hey, if you're going to pray in tongues, awesome, pray in tongues, but also ask God for revelation and understanding so that others could be edified through it. So he doesn't say don't speak in tongues. He was telling them a specific instance where he it was getting out of hand and they were out of order where they would come into a meeting like this and you'd have somebody over here speaking Portuguese and somebody over here speaking Spanish and another person speaking Japanese and German and Russian and all these different languages. Well, they couldn't even hear what was going on or what was being communicated and taught that Sunday. So he said, hey, I want you to hold on that. Stop speaking in tongues. If anybody does, just have an interpreter there to be able to share. And even in the midst of all the chaos that you read about in First and Second Corinthians, the Holy Spirit still continued to move. There was a grace on them. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us, or Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and there is the evidence that we see in scriptures 
inarguably, you can read it. We've been reading it. We've been talking about it. We've been sharing about it. Where when they were baptized, what would happen? They would speak in tongues. And most times, they would begin to prophesy. They'd begin to prophesy things that they didn't have knowledge of. The third element, so how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. The third one is to receive prayer. So have believers who are mature in the Lord lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, I, I've seen this happen so many times. I've been in a prayer meeting. Somebody said, man, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty like we just read. I would really want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray for me? Say, yeah, Absolutely. So I'd just have them stand or they could sit down, whatever. Uh, and I would just lay my hands on them. And I would just say, all right, I'm going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I made sure that they're saved. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit's not going to fill a vessel that's not a holy vessel. And Jesus is the one who turns you into a holy vessel. Make sure they're saved. Walk them through that. And then I, I just lead them in the prayer like I just did on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I just begin to pray for them. And I lay my hands on them. In Acts chapter 8, you see this picture, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Time out. They received the word of God. In other words, they're, they're, they're believers. They, 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 receive, they, they receive the word of Christ is what that's inferring to. All theologians would agree that at that point they were saved. And then they send down Peter and John to them. Why would Peter and John come down to them? To say, hey, you have everything you need? No, they came to meet them, to greet them, to welcome them into the body of Christ, and then also to share some things with them that they may learn and grow and mature in Christ. So what is the first thing that they do? They come down and they pray for them to what? To receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. In other words, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So let me tell, let me put this in today's terms. They were saved. They were baptized in water in the name of Jesus, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul and John didn't say, you got everything you need. You guys were saved. You're water baptized. You don't need anything else. Good job. Keep it up. If you need anything, we're in Jerusalem. We're turning up, we're turning this town upside down. Come and see us if you guys want to come hang. See you later. Bye. No, no, no. They said, okay, great. You, you, you're saved. You've been water baptized. Okay, let me tell you what else. Now you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And so they lay hands on them and they pray for them and they receive the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. That was the evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit. So, and, and, and when you read that account, chapter Acts chapter 8, if you go on and read, that's where we enter into the story, the guy Simon the sorcerer. If anybody of you know that story. That's when Simon the sorcerer comes in and he sees it. He's so wowed by the administration of the gift that he's like, I would pay money for that. How much? Like, can I make a big donation to your ministry? What do we got to do? And they're like, dude, get out of here. This is not something you buy. Your heart's in the wrong place. You can't have the Holy Spirit. Like, we're not going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit because you're going to use any gift that God gives you in the wrong way. You need to get your heart right. The fourth thing that you need to do in receiving the Holy Spirit is you got to open your mouth. <laughs> no one ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with their mouth closed. Like, there's a lot of people that I believe have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they were just kind of like too embarrassed to open their mouth 
or they didn't take it seriously and they just kind of like handled the promise of God as if it was like uh, like uh, uh, a, a, a napkin that they were wrapping around their drink to keep their hand, like, like you know what I mean? Like they just kind of like, ah, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. They didn't seek earnestly. They don't see it as precious. They don't see it as holy. They don't see it as a gift from God. And they never took the time to open their mouth. You gotta, you gotta take that leap of faith and open your mouth and begin to pray and pray, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now I wanna read to you I want to read to you the historical account of the first outpouring that we see in the scriptures in Acts chapter 2. Okay, I want to read this to you, and then this is where we're going to, we're going to close up here. So Isaac, you can actually join me up. You can play a little bit on the keys while we get ready to land the plane here. Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, the believers have been gathered together, and it said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Everybody say one accord. One accord in one place. Now, Pentecost, when you hear that word, you know, what, what Luke, the writer of Acts, is not doing, he's not starting a whole uh, sect of doctrine known as Pentecostals, okay? He's not, Pentecost was just a Greek word that meant 50. If you take a look at the, the, the root of the Greek word, penti, that's five, like a pentagram is five-sided, right? So penti and then coste. Uh, to the 10th power, actually, is what that means. So five to the 10th power. Five to the 10th power, Pentecost. Five is the number of grace. To the 10th power, you're gonna need the grace of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called you to do. Five to the 10th power. So Pentecost, on the, when it had fully come, this celebration where they would get together. So this is the, this is the last day. This is the big hurrah. This is the big parties going down, down. When that happened, then this happens. And suddenly, verse two, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them divided tongues, separated tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So let me tell you this. Everybody in the house was filled. Everybody was filled. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Peter, filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. John, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And apparently, over a hundred other people, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. They were in one accord. The Holy Spirit filled the place. There's power and agreement. That's why it's so important to be in a house of God that is a worshiping house. The Spirit came to the house before it came upon the believers. My prayer is the Holy Spirit comes to your house and comes on everyone in your house. The Holy Spirit comes and fills you. It reminds me, being in one accord, that unity reminded me of this little unknown passage of scripture in the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter three says this. This is a promise that God's giving to the people. He says, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. So in Acts chapter two, 
they are all gathered together in one accord, fulfilling a promise in Joel chapter two and Zephaniah chapter three, where when they come all in one accord, the Lord says, I'm gonna restore a pure language. He's not talking about Hebrew or English or anything else. The one language, that's, that's the language from heaven. So let me give you just three common misconceptions when it comes to speaking in tongues. And this is uh, some of the feedback that people had given in the course of this series. I asked for feedback, and this is some of your feedback. So I'm answering some of your questions right now. So there's three, three misconceptions, or maybe three myths, if you will. Number one is that you start speaking fluently immediately. Um, and you could say, well, well that, that's not what happened at the day of Pentecost. They spoke fluently. It says, well, it didn't say that they spoke fluently. It says that the people heard fluently. But even if they did speak fluently, they didn't really understand. And to them, it just seemed like Babel. When I started uh, praying in the spirit, when I received the gift of tongues, like, I, honestly, it was different for me. It, it, was, it was a new experience, to say the least. And I remember praying in my room and I reviewed notes of a teaching like I'm giving you today. And I'm like, Lord, if this is really you, if this is really what your word says, which it is, if this is what you have for me that's gonna help me live out this Christian life, because clearly I'm trying to do it on my own and it ain't working. So if this is what you have for me, I say yes, I asked you for it. So I prayed that prayer similar and I began to, to pray in tongues. Now, on the day of Pentecost, it says some heard, but there was only 3,000 that were added to the church. To others, when, them, when they were speaking in tongues, it sounded like crazy babble, so much so that they're like, dude, you're drunk. Like, those people are drunk. That's what they said, literally. They're like, they're hearing some, whatever, and they're like, dude, you're drunk. And another person's like, I hear God speaking to me in my language. That's, that's literally what happened. Sometimes we forget we are spiritual beings having a human experience on earth. You're not human beings having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being and you're having a human experience. Second myth that it was on there was that you can't control it. Like some people think that they're just gonna start praying and all of a sudden they're just gonna be all about that little, I can't, can't talk in English anymore. I forgot how to speak English. No. How many here speak two languages? Just raise a hand to all you incredibly smart people. You, you, you know you only, you, you can spot the American when they only speak one language. Because like everywhere else in the world, they speak like two, three, five languages, right? You know, only the Americans only speak one language, right? I got my friends that are up here from Brazil. And in, 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 when in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. But I don't know if you've ever looked at a map. Brazil's down here and Portugal's way over here. How in the heck did the Brazilians start speaking Portuguese? It's because Portugal, the king of Portugal, came there and they conquered that land. So the language of that land is Portuguese. You know who won the battle based on the language you speak. You can control it. Think of the other gifts of the Spirit. Teaching. Can you, can you turn off teaching? Yes. Prophecy? Yes. It even says in the scriptures that the, the prophecy is subject to the prophet. In other words, the prophet can say, I'm not going to share this prophecy. It's subject 
to the person. All right, number three, we're running out of time. It's The third myth is that it's just gonna come out of you one day. That you're just gonna be walking and it's like, man, I've been praying for the gift. I, Lord, if you wanna give me the gift, then just give me the gift. And I've been praying and asking God and it's been 20 years and, and, and I just haven't done it yet. And to that person, I'd say, yeah, and you probably never will. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you're not entering into an element of faith. If you think that God's just gonna do, like, think of this. This would be like, man, Lord, I'm praying for the gift of giving. Lord, I'm praying that you would supernaturally bless me with the gift of giving. And then you wouldn't believe it. One day I'm walking past the offering box and then all of a sudden a $100 bill dropped out of my pocket and jumped right into the offering box. I got the gift of giving, Shaba. You know, like, that's not how the gift of giving works. We laugh at that. But that's literally, it's the same logic. It's the same train of thought. So what do you do? I got to open up my mouth. It, it may not sound like language at much, but neither did my kids when they started to speak. And as they learned how to flow in language, we thought it was so cute. My daughter, Juliana, she turned 16 this past weekend. Thank you. I walked outside and set myself on fire. Looks so beautiful, just gorgeous. Just, I'm so proud of the woman of God that she's growing into. And when she was little and she would begin to talk, she, she, she was an incredible, passionate person. Like, like some kids kind of get excited about something and then there's ones that are passionate. Like you're like, oh gosh. Juju was passionate from day one and she would get excited about something and she had this little angel kiss on her forehead where she would get really passionate. It would turn bright red. And, and so she would get all excited to be telling and speaking to us about something that she was, and I couldn't understand a word she said. And we were just like, oh yes, honey, yes. Oh wow, really? And she'd be like telling us her dollies and what she's doing with her dollies and this one and this one and looking and dressing them up and, about, and she's all passionate about it. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying but you're so cute. I just tell you, you may, you may be like, I have no idea what I'm saying. And your father's like, you're so cute. <laughs> He's like, I just love you. I, I, lo I love that you're even, I, I love that you're even open to this. I love that you're trying. I love that you're opening your mouth. Like just think, sometimes we make, you know, God and we make him so big which he is, but we make him so big like it's like this unattainable sense that we can touch and have a relationship with him, but he shows himself as father. He's your father. And your daddy is coming in the room today. And your daddy is saying, I've got a gift for you. If you want it, it's yours. What's the gift? Oh, it's the best gift ever. You know those times when you don't know what decision to make? Yeah. This gift is going to give you that discernment. I want that. You know, when you're wondering what to do with your future, this gift is going to actually help you make decisions that are going to affect your future for the good. Like it's going to help you see the future. <laughs> I want that one. Uh, you know, that gift, that, you know, that, that challenge that you face in marriage where you're like, I don't know what my wife is thinking. And she's like, I don't know what he was thinking. He was clearly not thinking. I I'm, I'm going to help you guys come together in unity. I'm going to help you catch my heart for her. I'm going to help you take the log out of your own eye before you point out the speck in your wife's eye. I'm going to work. I'm going to help gel you together. I'm going to do work. The Holy Spirit is your helper. It's your counselor. 
He's your friend. He's your advocate. Like, man, he's the one you want on your side. If there was a lawyer in heaven, it would be the Holy Spirit. He comes to your defense. You don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit says, shh, don't speak. I'm going to speak for my client. The Holy Spirit begins to speak for you. I remember praying and, and talking to somebody. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, I think, but I don't feel anything. I had a pastor challenge me one time and he says, do you feel anything when you tithe? I'm like, sometimes, no, I don't know. He goes, but you do it, right? Yeah, okay. There's gonna be times where you feel really motivated. There's gonna be times where you feel really moved, but just because you feel moved to do something doesn't mean it's God. And, and just because you're doing something that maybe you don't feel that motivation doesn't mean that's not God but you choose to. It's a decision that we make. So you can choose to open your mouth and just say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna try this. (laughs) And I remember doing that and that was me. And I'm on my knees in my bedroom and I began to pray. And it was just like, now I'm I'm not giving a word in tongues. I'm, I'm basically just gonna illustrate for you what that moment was like. Is that okay? Okay, we all agree. I'm not giving a word in tongues right now, okay? People can't just like, tomato me afterwards, okay? I'm not giving a word in tongues, but I just sat there in my bed and I knelt and it literally sounded like baby talk. It was just like, felt like Egan learning to say, and I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, begin to engage God with my whole spirit, my soul, and my body. Think of this, your spirit, soul, and body. If you only pray in English, you can only pray based on your own understanding. In other words, you can only pray soulish prayers. You have a limited understanding. But when you pray in the spirit, you can pray beyond your own understanding. Maybe the reason that you're not seeing breakthrough in certain areas is because you're only praying on what you understand and what you see. Maybe the reason that you had to see things turn around is because you're just praying based on what you see and what you know, based on what the Spirit of God sees and what He knows. So you begin to pray in the Spirit. And you begin to pray and you get ideas, thoughts, images, pictures drop in your mind. Revelation comes and ask God. As you pray in the spirit, ask God, Lord, will you show me what this means? Show me a picture. Give me revelation. Show me what. Show me how I'm gonna pray. I don't know how to pray for this person. There's so many prayer needs that hit my text stream every single week. And some of them I'm like, I don't know how to pray. I'm just gonna see them in my mind and I'm gonna see what I believe to be the desired outcome, the will of God. And I'm just gonna pray in the spirit for that person. And I just begin to see them in my mind, my mind healed, restored, walking, functioning, sharing their testimony of how God miraculously, supernaturally healed them. And they're totally healed. And, and rather than a decrepit fading body, they're filled with life and energy and they got muscle tissue. And I see them restored and just pray in the spirit. And I just begin to see them. I'm telling you, when you pray in the Spirit, you open yourself up to greater breakthrough in the things of God. Genesis 11.1 says that the whole earth had one language and one speech. This is before Babel. This is at the time of Babel, but this is before Abraham. Some people think that the original language was Hebrew, 
Could be, could be not. I kind of think that it was the language of heaven. I believe it was the, could be the language of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. No one understands him. Wait, I thought tongues was for the unbelievers so that they could hear and understand the message of Christ. Well, apparently to Paul, he's saying nobody understood him. Throwing that out there. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. Paul goes on, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. So Paul's saying, I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna pray in English for me and I'm gonna pray in tongues. For you, whatever your first language is, you pray in that language and then you also pray in tongues. You sing in whatever language and then you also sing in tongues. But when you begin to open up yourself, you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, power comes and if you're walking a young believer through this teaching, the heartbeat of it is God wants to empower them to live the victorious Christian life. It's going to be very hard. It's gonna be impossible to walk out the victory that God has for you if you don't do it with the Holy Spirit. If you can do it without the Holy Spirit, then why would he have given you the Holy Spirit? Because you need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Why don't we close today with this? I'm just gonna pray for you. Why don't we all stand together as we close out today? And if you wanna receive the Holy Spirit, just put your hands out like you wanna receive a gift. I'm just gonna pray a big prayer. I know we've gone a little bit long today. And just ask to receive him. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? Fill me with your, with your fire. Fill me, baptize me. God, I'm asking you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and prophecy. I pray for the spirit of prophecy to loosen my life. God, help me to get beyond my mind and my carnal understanding. Get beyond my soul and what I know, what I think, what I see. Help me go beyond that and encounter you with my spirit that I would have spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, and a spiritual tongue to speak and pray and encounter you more. God, we ask you to baptize us this morning in your Holy Spirit. So do so in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just begin to pray and thank him. God, I thank you. Thank you for baptizing me today. I thank you, Lord God. Begin to just pray and thank him and pray. If you've received a prayer language, I just want you to feel released. You can pray in the Holy Spirit. God, we just praise you. We praise you right now, Lord God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you that the devil tried to take me out, but you wouldn't let him. God, thank you that I'm still alive, that there's breath in my lungs, there's strength and energy in my body. You've got plans for my life. I thank you and I praise you today. God, I thank you for baptizing me and filling me with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that your word is true and every man a liar. God, I thank you that your word is true. It brings life. And so, Lord, what you've shared today in this teaching, God, help it to have roots that go down deep. Expand my understanding. God, that I would encounter you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise today, this morning? For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.